So we've been talking about fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control. Enough of all that stuff. We're talking about anger. Forget about love and joy and peace. We're talking about anger today. Anyone want to talk about anger? Has anyone been angry lately? Yes, you have. Just not saying it. Hey, there's a lot of things to be angry about. Um, that's part of life. So we're going to talk about anger today, transitioning. Next week, Josh is starting off a new sermon series on, uh, let's see, Christians in an age of outrage. So, so questions. What do you get angry about? What are you angry about? Is your anger destructive or is it life-giving? Is your anger moving you toward God or away from God? Is your anger moving you toward people or away from people? My summary sentence is this. Anger can be destructive and self-centered or anger can be life-giving and God-centered. And sometimes anger is just the human response to life in a fallen world. Anger can be good or evil. It can be right or wrong. And sometimes anger is just the human natural response to pain, death, sin, injustice, unfairness, and all the rotten, terrible things that happen in an imperfect world. So the question today is for us to examine our anger, think about it, and to move toward the anger that helps us draw closer to God, that gives us life, that gives us freedom. So some of you are inclined toward anger. Anyone here like... You love a good argument. Doesn't matter what it's about. Uh, could be about religion. Could be about politics. Could be about masks. Could it be about is the pandemic real? Whatever it is, whatever controversial subject, you just you just love it. You're ready. To, you're fired up all the time, ready to give your opinion, and think everyone else should be that way. Your your blood runs hot. No problem at all. Expressing exactly how you feel, saying exactly what you think, bring it. And if that's you, you need to know that, be careful. It's like hunter's education, gun safety. Is your anger, is, is your anger gun loaded? Is the safety on your anger? Do you know where the, the barrel of your anger is pointed at all times? Because if your anger goes off, you want to make sure it's going to go in the right direction because your anger is dangerous. It can really hurt. You want to use it at the right time in the right way. And for the rest of you, maybe uh, it's like see no anger, hear no anger, feel no anger. I don't want anything to do with anger. I want everyone to get along. I want everything to be nice and easy, even keeled. Anger scares me. Angry people scare me. Get thee away from me, angry people, angry conversations. Anyone disagreeing makes my, my blood pressure go up. And if that's you, you need to know there's a time and a place for anger, that anger can be good. Anger can be terrible and destructive, but anger could also give life. So that's uh, where we're headed today. So main passage is James 1, 19 to 20. Let's say this again as we start. Say it with me. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let's pray. 
Lord, I just pray that you'd lead us and guide us, each one of us. Pray, draw us closer to yourself, Lord. Help us to be able to see about our own anger and the good, the bad, and the normal human response, and help us to grow in our understanding of, of even our own anger. And may it draw us closer to you and not further away. And Lord, may our anger draw us closer to other people and not away from them. Guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the wisdom for every, every one of us. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. So what's first? Do we shoot our mouths off first? First thing I got to do is let you know right where I stand. Oh, first thing I'm going to do is just tell you my opinion, the truth, how I see things. What's first? It's quick to hear. And it has to be first. God's wisdom, God's instruction manual on how to live life is be, not blah, 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 but be quick to hear. We want to listen first. What were you thinking? Okay, let me retract that. What were you thinking? Not to ask it in such an aggressive way as to implying that you're an idiot, but just to ask it in a way that makes it easy for you to explain yourself. I want to be quick to hear. When we're saying quick to hear, we're saying that I'm approaching you in love. I'm not jumping to conclusions. I'm not assuming things falsely. Remember, only God knows everything. Only God sees every angle. Only God knows that other person, maybe what, what's going on at their home or in their school or in their situation. Only God sees everything. Only God doesn't need to be quick to hear because he knows everything. But for you and me, no matter how much we're sure that we've got it all, wisdom is being quick to hear. Immaturity is defined by pull the trigger, say what I think, let it out. People got to know what I got to think. I want to share my opinion. Maturity in adulthood, wisdom is being quick to hear. No one is going to get hurt by taking time and asking some questions, getting all your information. There's a verse, I'm not, I don't have it in the slideshow. It's Proverbs 18, 17. It says that age-old truth. It says, one person seems right, then you talk to another person, and then, oh, that other person doesn't seem so right. And just talking about in any situation, if you just listen to one person, get one perspective, probably not getting the whole truth or every side. And that's why it's wisdom. It's God's wisdom to be, be quick to hear, be quick to ask a question. Instead of being quick to like, I just let people know what I think. Be quick to ask a question, to gain more knowledge. Because we are not God, we are human. We want to hear all sides. And anger can be dangerous. Quick to hear is, is a posture of, of grace, of love, of respect. It's a, also one more thing about being quick to hear. Quick to hear does not mean if I'm angry with person A, that I go to person B and I say to person B, what do you think about person A? Aren't they an idiot? They did this and this and this. I want to be quick to hear what you got to say. You know, one of those situations, we're setting up, we're just telling the other person, 
I'm angry with this person and I want you to join me in my anger and despising and, and being upset with this other person as well. Quick to hear, it's assumed that we go to the person that we're, you know, we, we just want to know why did you do that? Or we might be a little upset or very upset. But quick to hear means in the context of we're going to the person that we may or may not be upset with, not going to another person. We can't be sure unless we hear first. Be quick to hear whether a parent, a friend, a teacher, a coach, a coworker, a boss, an employee, be quick to hear. Next, let every person be quick to hear. Let every person be slow to speak. Words are powerful. Words can bring amazing life or words can scars on your soul. Words are powerful. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue, our words, can bring death or life to those around us. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Josh talked about this last week with self-control. He said, but no human being can tame the tongue, James 3, 8. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Always know where the barrel of our anger is pointed because words are powerful things. Death or life are in, the power, are in our words. Now, be slow to speak does not mean to be slow to speak. It means to be thoughtful, to think, because words are a powerful thing. If you're slow to speak, it gives you a chance to take a deep breath. Slow to speak gives you time to avoid saying things you're going to regret. Ah, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Speak gives you a chance. I'm going to calm down. Slow to speak means I can maybe pray, Lord, help me. Lord, help this conversation to go well. Slow to speak. Lord, I forgive that person. I'm going to assume they don't know that what they did just really upset me and the whole team or the whole office or the whole shop. Gives you chances to forgive. There's no harm in being slow to speak. And there's a lot that can be gained from being slow to speak. Especially if there's a hint of trouble. Uh, this could go, this could go, uh, this could break our friendship. This could really hurt our relationship. Be slow to speak. Doesn't mean not speak at all, but Choose your words wisely. Lord, help me choose my words wisely. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See something happen, someone says something to you, or you see something happen. Why did you do that? Instead of being slow to speak, why did you do that? Do you know you should have done that? Be slow to speak. Because a lot of times, the impulse, the first, right? The first word, they're not so pretty. The first thought when someone upsets us, it's usually harsh, right? It's usually like, ugh, you want to respond quickly. But slow to speak gives you a chance to take a deep breath, gentle answer, and maybe we'll get somewhere in this relationship. Ephesians 4.29 says, 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this is our, our maxim as Christians, that we want to, well, our words, we want to use them to build up. And this is not ruling out that sometimes an angry word, a sharp word, is necessary to bring life. It's needful for the situation. But it puts those, that harness on us that it, it needs to be helpful. What's, what's your angry words doing? Is it just going to condemn? Is it just going to like, I'm so mad at you? Or were your angry words like, this is to help you. My angry words are to help you. Your, my angry words are because I love you and I care about you. Not my angry words are just because I'm just furious and I want to inflict pain on you and I want you to make, make you realize how dumb you are and how disappointed I am with you. But your angry words are to, because I care about you. I want you to do the right thing. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Now, verse 19, last line is, let every person be slow to Anger, because anger is, is a powerful thing, and it can hurt or it can help. So what, what word is repeated twice here in this passage? Slow. So whenever you're reading the Bible, and especially in the same verse, the same word, it's like, okay, check that. So it's kind of word association here. Anger, slow, slow, anger. Anger, slow, slow, anger. The, don't separate those words. Don't pull them apart. They're together. Anger, slow, slow anger. Think of one, think of the other. It's one of those things where there's no love, mercy, joy. There's nothing slow about it. Have at it. Anger, go slow. Doesn't say don't ever get anger. Just be slow about it. Take your time. Don't be in a hurry ever to be angry. You get home at night and things have happened and you got some anger Go slow. You show up at work and the shop and you're just ready to go off. Be, be aware. Go slow. God is slow to anger. Let's look at these verses. God is slow to anger. Look at Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are God angry and vexed, slow to be merciful and gracious, and steadfast in your fury. It says, but you, O Lord, are God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Let's look at another one. Return to the Lord your God, for he is angry all the time and ready to blow his top. Slow to love, but abounding in just pent-up anger. Now, Joel 2.13 says, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. He, he avoids it. He, he forgives. Now, if God Almighty, who sees all, who knows all, who's perfectly just, who is holy, he doesn't need to be quick to hear. He doesn't need to be slow to speak. If he himself is slow to anger, shouldn't you and I be? Right? If God Almighty is slow to anger, we have to be slow to anger. If the perfect one is slow to anger, we must be 
slow to anger like him. But again, he does, there is a time and a place for anger. All three run together, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's God's wisdom. Verse 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So here we have, there's, there's a couple different types of anger. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The opposite being the anger of God does produce the righteousness of God. That's why we need to think about our anger. Anger is not all like never be angry. No, good Christians should never be angry. No, God does get angry. And there's a time and a place for Christians, followers of Jesus to be ang- angry. But these are two different things, the anger of man, the anger of God. I want to talk first about the anger of man, which always destroys, which takes us away from God, which takes us away from people and puts us in dark, empty, isolated little places. That's the anger of man. It is not Christ-centered. It's self-centered. It gets upset about unimportant things. It tears people. It, anger of man is destructive both to you and to everyone who gets scorched by us in our anger of man. It's violent. It only cares about winning or being right and getting what it wants. I want to talk about anger of man as murder and violence. Interesting passage, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Everyone agree? Like, murder's a bad thing. Murder's a terrible thing. It's about as bad as you can get, killing someone, taking away their life. That's very, very bad. No one argues. He goes on to say, here's something just like it. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment too. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So... It's equating like shooting a gun at someone. It's like shooting an insult. If a person stabs another, someone else with, with a knife, it's like stabbing them with an insult, a put down, and I hate you. You're a piece of trash. Jesus puts anger and murder right together. Killing. Words are killing. They're violent. They're destructive. So we always need to be careful with our anger, insults and attacks, verbal attacks. And I'll say this just in response. If someone is going in a fit of rage toward you and you have the chance to get away, get away. If someone was shooting bullets at you from a gun and you had the opportunity to duck or to take cover, you would take cover. Someone's shooting verbal bullets at you, get out of the way. That's, there's no honoring God by just letting someone just tear into you in a fit of rage. Delete, don't finish the email or text, delete it, block the number, get out of the way if you can. Anger is murder and violence. We'll talk also about anger as coercion, manipulation. James 4 verses 1 to 2 say, what causes conflicts and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the war within you? You crave what you do not have. You kill and covet. 
but are unable to obtain it. You quarrel and fight. It's talking about the anger of man where the anger of man just wants what it wants. It just wants to, to win, to possess, to take, to have its way. It doesn't matter if it's the three-year-old and the grocery cart grabs that piece of candy or in the toy store grabs like, and you say no or to share or the adult. I mean, the tactics are always the same. There's raising my voice, facial muscles, glaring looks. And if I don't get what I want, I'm just going to talk even louder or look even angrier or I'll threaten or I'll punish or I'll, if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make you hurt. Fear, threats, punishment. I, we use insults or threats until, oh, you're going to let me have my way? The, the baby gets to keep the, the toy or the piece of candy. Whew, didn't want to deal, didn't want to fight that battle. Or your coworker, like, all right, all right, I'll do the job. But just for the sake of peace, I'll let my coworker have his or her way. It's the same anger being used as a tool, consciously or unconsciously, just to manipulate, just to win, just to get our way. And we've probably all seen it. The, the situation, probably been on, you've probably seen it, but just like, I won the argument. I was loud enough and angry enough that the other person stopped talking. The other person walked away. I won. I got my way. And the relationship was just destroyed. Sure, sure you won. But now there's a huge wall between you and, and that person. Sure, you got your way. Congratulations. But now there's a huge wall there. Slow to anger. The anger of man never accomplishes the righteousness of God. It always takes us away from God and away from other people. All right, enough of the anger of man. Let's talk about the anger of God, which does produce the righteousness of God. An anger that takes us to God and tears down walls and brings us closer to people. So what does God get angry about? Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19, could have chosen many. I mean, God is angry about poverty. He's angry about injustice. He's, he's angry about um, the orphan, the, the widow uh, who are mistreated. But here it's Proverbs 6 where it says, these are, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, meaning proud, arrogant, I know it all, I'm always right type eyes. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, hands that are ready to, to hurt someone who's done nothing wrong. A heart that devises wicked schemes, a heart that fantasizes about doing wrong or hurting someone or feet that are quick to rush into evil. People that are quick to like, yes, let's, let's do something evil. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict or division in the community or the family. God is not indifferent to sin at all. He's agitated. He is upset. He has no tolerance. He, he, he is not like, oh, well, he hates sin. No one hates sin and death and pain and suffering more than the Lord. 
No one hates it more than he does. He did not create the world with sin and death and pain. No one hates it more than he does. No matter how much you or me or some angry crowd is like fired up, God hates injustice more. And he sent his son because of it, the greatest remedy. Speaking of his son, what does Jesus get angry about? There's a story in Matthew 21 where he entered Jerusalem and in the temple of God where people are supposed to freely be able to come to God and not be ripped off by having to pay extravagant money to buy a sacrifice. There's corruption going on in the temple where they've turned religion into a money-making, profitable business. And Jesus flips the tables over and he chases out the greedy people who have turned religion into a business. He's angry. There's a place in Mark chapter three in verse five where he's in a context of there's a bunch of religious people called the Pharisees and, and they're thinking that Jesus should not heal anyone on a Sabbath day of the week. And there's a man there who's suffering from a withered hand and it says this in Mark three, five. And he, Jesus, looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Later on, in speaking to these same, the same group of Pharisees who were so about rules and had so many rules, and it wasn't about a relationship with God, and he, he said to them, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Jesus angry when he said that? I'm not sure there's any nice way that you say, you snakes, you brood of vipers. I think those Pharisees went home and they were like, man, everyone says Jesus is a nice guy, but he just called us a bunch of slimy, slithering snakes. No, Jesus was angry. We need to wrap our minds around that fact that there's a time and a place for anger. Jesus, the son of God, forgiving who was on the cross and people are mocking him and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. But for this group of religious people, he was furious. He was angry. And so there's a time and a place for you and I to be angry because Jesus sets us the example. What else makes Jesus angry from the Bible? Uh, if you look at Matthew 18, he tells the parable of the, the unforgiving servant that unforgiveness, when we fail to forgive, when we choose to hold grudges, that makes Jesus angry. God, his hallmark, his trademark is forgiveness. He put his own son on the cross for us to be forgiven. And so when we don't forgive, that upsets him. John chapter 11, death, grief, the emotional pain angers Jesus. God's anger is something that we have to worship him for. It is something that we have to be thankful because his anger is right. It would be wrong for God to be indifferent or not get angry about sin 
about pain, about injustice, about death. One of the reasons we can love him is because he's, he's angry for the right reasons. He's angry about the right things. It's right for us to be angry about the right things. It's wrong for us to be angry about the wrong things. The Bears had a two-touchdown lead. Five minutes to go. Why did they just run the ball? I'm so angry. You look out the window. Oh, honey, look. There's that boy, and dad just walked out on, on mom and the kids, and yeah, he looks really lost. I can't believe the Bears lost a game. My week is ruined. Are we angry about the right things? We get so angry about things that if we just stop and think that, well, and other things that, you know, I should be upset about that. I should be upset about you know, lying on a job application or the gossip or slander in the, the break room or the office. I should be more upset about that. What about, well, no one said thank you for, took the trash out three times in a row and I changed the toilet paper on the toilet paper dispenser. Think anyone said thank you? That person, they're driving slow. They... That waitress, they're just doing that. They're leaving the food in the kitchen because they're just trying to make me angry. And what about, you know, the little boy or girl who shows up and, you know, they have some marks on the, their body. There's some other things that, you know, people in other nations that are, you know, having food shortages, food shortages due to the pandemic. There are things to be upset about, but are we upset about the right things? Are we upset about the wrong things? Ah, and everyone's favorites, masks. How do you feel about masks? God was on his throne and waiting for Governor Holcomb's. Is he going to extend the, the mask? Oh, Governor Holcomb extended the mask mandate. God just picked up whatever's closest to him and just beamed one of the angels. And the angel's like, ow, it's not my fault. Or the Lord looked down from heaven and he saw this public gathering and almost no one was wearing a mask. And he just got up, took his hat off and threw it on the ground, stepped on it, and kicked it. Of course not. Just being facetious. Just to... The most important thing about our anger about things pandemic or our anger about things to do with masks is your anger one way or another about masks, let me ask, where is it taking you? Is it taking you away from God? Me and my tribe who believes the same way that I do about masks. Yes, let's, let's tell each other how, how mad we are. Is it taking you toward people, toward loving people, toward being patient with people? 
toward being compassionate toward people? Or is your, your, your thinking on mass, is it taking you away from God? Keeping you locked up in anger? Ruining your day, day after day? Making you not like people? Making you love people less? That's what, really, that's what God is really most concerned with. Is your approach to masks, is it, is it working to, to bring you closer to loving the Lord and loving other people? And really that's the question about anything with anger. Where is it taking you? Anger, God does get angry. And there's a place for you and me to be angry. But as we get into a little more of the good anger, anger is a temporary, temporary response to sin. It's a temporary place we go. <clears throat> Hosea 11.9 says this. The Lord says, I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. As you see, the Lord does not take any pleasure at all in being angry. He's only angry because he has to. And one day he's going to fix everything. All will be well and there will be no anger. It's a temporary thing. It's only as if he has to. And even then, he's gracious. Look at Isaiah 54, 8. It says this, in overflowing anger for, what's the word? A moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion. So contrast a moment, anger, everlasting, permanent love. Next verse says, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts how long? A lifetime. So you have, again, contrasted a moment of anger, a lifetime of love. And that's what we need to imitate as well. And speaking of that, in Ephesians 4, it says, Verse 26, and speaking for us and how we're to live, be angry, okay to be angry. There's right reasons to be angry, and do, but, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Anger is powerful. You don't want to stay there. It's not to be a permanent place. And give, why are we to, to, to not remain in anger? And give no opportunity to the devil. When we start saying, I'm so angry, I'm so angry, we talk to other people like, I'm so angry, can you believe how angry I am? And we just stir it up and stir it up. That is like the devil's heyday. The devil loves that song. The devil's like, yeah, music to my ears. Let your angry, let your angry, let it fly. Let it build, grow it, water it, nourish it, feed it. Because it gives him control over us. So anger is a temporary response that the Lord has and that you and I are to have to sin, to evil, to pain. This uh, summer, got to go camping several times. My, my favorite night camping was uh, I borrowed an old army cot from a friend. And that first night in that cot was like, this is, this is great. And then the next night, I, I laid down that cot rip, it tore, and I was on the ground for the rest of the summer and my, my camping trips. And, 
Now, I don't want, I mean, as much as I like camping, I don't want to sleep on the earth every night. I much prefer a bed. Similar to anger, who wants to live in their anger? Really? We've all seen it. One of the saddest things where a person has decided that anger is going to be my permanent dwelling. I don't care if it's 32 degrees out. I love sleeping in my anger tent. Snow, rain, ice, I just, I, I prefer living out here and, and camping in, in the rain and the snow and 20 degrees. Like, I prefer living in my anger. It's one of the saddest things. As Christians, it's a temporary thing. With God, it's a temporary response. We express our anger, and then we, we move away from it. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, that's what we wear every day. We put, we put on those clothes, love, joy, peace, every day. Sometimes we put on anger for good, for righteousness. So how is anger good? I want to talk about four quick ways. And again, one more note on, on self-control. We never put aside, okay, time to be angry. Forget the self-control. Let it rip. No, anger is with. It's in the mix. It's in the same soup as self-control. Four quick ways anger is good, life-giving, and moves you toward God and people. Number one, anger is good as a crucial step in repentance. We should be angry when we sin. We say a wrong word. We say we do a wrong action. There should be the Holy Spirit within us. We should be upset, not happy, not indifferent. Oh, well, I was having a bad day, and I blasted that person. Oh, well, no one's perfect. We should have some degree of upset, of vexation, of like, no, I don't want to be that way. Or no, I know that was wrong. And I feel a little bit of remorse. I might need to apologize to a person. And, and our anger, instead of making us, oh, I'm just going to defend myself, our anger is like, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, Godly sorrow, we get upset about our sin, brings repentance. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to stop that action that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. There is nothing lost. There is no harm done in saying sorry to God or sorry to somebody else. No one has ever gotten hurt. But a worldly sorrow brings death. God takes no pleasure in like, I'm just a bad person. I'm so bad. I'm, I, there's no hope for me. I'm just angry with myself. I'm angry. I hate myself. I'm, that's not from God. That's from you. God takes no pleasure in it. You're not called to it. That brings death. What brings life is when I'm angry with my, my sin, I want to be a, a new man. I want to be a new woman. I want to be free. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, help me. That's the good anger. Number two. Anger is good as a crucial step toward forgiving other people. Should you and I be angry when people do something terrible to us? Oh, no, no. Good Christians, we just say, that's okay. Run me over. Destroy me. Just crucify me with your insults. That's okay. No. <laughs> do you, God is our father. Do you, he's more loving than and any of us as, as fathers and mothers he, he's not happy 
when his children are mistreated. You're probably, if you're a parent, you're probably not happy when your kids are mistreated. It is a normal human response in a fallen world that if someone does something bad, mean, evil, unfair to you, you should be angry. It's okay to be angry. Don't stay in your anger. Don't make it your permanent home. Don't build walls and put a roof over your anger, but it's okay. Being honest that you're angry leads to forgiveness. You can't really forgive someone unless, like, that really hurt. That makes me angry. You can be angry at yourself, like, I shouldn't have treated that person that way. And also, you can be angry that that person should not have treated me that way. That was unloving, that was unkind, that was evil, that was mean. That's okay. Scripturally, you have permission. You just have to take the next step. So we acknowledge that, I'm angry, Lord. That really, that was, no one should, they shouldn't, I wouldn't let anyone, person, no person should do that to me. And then the next step is, Lord, take away my anger. Heal me from what that person said or what that person did to me. And Lord, I just commit them to you. It says in Romans 12, 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. We leave vengeance to the Lord, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord says, give me your anger. It doesn't matter whether the person, I mean, hopefully they apologize if you talk to them, if it is safe to talk to them. But even if they don't, the Lord says, let me heal you of your anger. Because even if they don't acknowledge or they don't think what they did was wrong, I've got it. I'm the judge and I will sort things out in the end. But first step is, Lord, I'm angry over the way I was treated. The next step is, is God, take away my anger, heal my heart, renew me. I forgive in Jesus' name. I forgive that person. But anger is a step. You can't just say, oh, I forgive you. Oh, I didn't hurt. Yeah, it hurt. It's okay. Acknowledge your anger, then give it to the Lord. And Ephesians 4.32 says that, just that be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. But remember, the couple preceding verses said, be angry and do not sin. Number three, anger is good as a crucial step toward healing. Psalm 13, verses one and two say this, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my tr enemy triumph over me? Jeremiah 15, 18 says this. He's, he cries out to God, why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you, God, be to me like a deceptive, deceitful brook, like waters that fail? He's saying like, Lord, I'm hurting. I'm, I'm, life is hard. Are you like an empty, a dried up stream? Are you like a, a deceiving, like, you, you pro, like a, an oasis, a mirage? 
The Bible is full of people who life is hard. Job, Jeremiah, David, Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, Jesus himself validates it's okay to cry out toward God with our anger. That's not something that's sinful. Because sometimes anger, life hurts. And God inbuilt us in our response to this imperfect world that anger is our normal human response. There's pain, there's sorrow, there's injustice. There's grief, all of it. In being angry, we have many biblical examples that that is a step in the right direction. There's a book called Deserted by God by a Christian author named Sinclair Ferguson. And he has a a great chapter on Psalm 13. And he says, scripturally, the moment that David opens his mouth and starts yelling, How long, Lord? How long? He's on the path to healing. Because if you go home this afternoon and read the rest of Psalm 13, the tone by the end of that is quite different, of peace and joy. In many places in the Bible where the characters cry out in pain because life hurts, the first step is crying out. That God is not shook up, he's not agitated or condemning, but he's gracious and understanding because he didn't design this world to be full of such pain. Made in his image, he's angry about sin and sorrow and death and pain, and it's natural for us. It's a first step in healing of, I'm angry, life hurts. Number four, anger is good as it makes us take action for good, for righteousness. There's a problem. I'm angry. I'm going to do something about it. There's an injustice. I'm angry. I'm sick of it. I'm going to do something about it. That something is not right. I'm going to speak up for God. I'm going to do something. I'm going to take action. I've had enough of it. I'm going to, I'm angry about it. I don't like it. It's wrong. And by God's help, I'm going to do something about it. Galatians 3.3 was going in the wrong direction. Paul says, are you so foolish? It's angry. After starting in the spirit, are you now finishing the flesh? He's angry. He's pushing them back toward God. The Apostle Paul, walking through Athens, it says in in Acts 17, 16, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked. He was upset, agitated, vexed within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So Paul is kind of waiting. Hey, I'm not doing anything in Athens. I'll walk around. And he saw these idols after idol after idol. It's like, forget this. I'm doing something. I'm angry. I'm not going to sit here and be silent. I'm going to go and I'm going to speak for Jesus. I'm going to speak up for God and point people to the truth, to the right. It's a a friend, a parent, a teacher, a coach, a, a boss, a coworker, an employee. You challenge, you warn. There's a good anger. So I love you. You can do better. We can be better. 
an anger that is challenging, that is for God, that pushes us toward God, brings us closer together, that is out of love. So again, summary statement is anger can be destructive and self-centered or anger can be life-giving and God-centered. Sometimes anger is just a human response to life in a fallen world. So where is your anger taking you? What's your anger doing for you right now, today in your circumstances? And our prayer is just that your anger, it moves you to God and not away from God. That it moves you toward people and not away from people. God's response to all the things that we are angry about the sin, injustice, pain, sorrow, death, unfairness, mistreatment. His response is putting his own son on the cross. Jesus died, absorbed it all, all the things that we're angry about. Jesus paid the price. We continually bring our anger. We don't hang on to it, whether it's right or wrong anger, We continually, our anger needs to drive us to God. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive others. Lord, help me break. Lord, I don't want to be a slave to my anger. Anger always must take us to God. It can be however right it is. It's still a temporary place. Let's pray.